What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of We Need to Talk. Today, joining me for a one-on-one interview, we have Bosco and K.O. of the drama comedy poetry duo Grio. Look at all those O's rhyming. I love it. Uh, come on now. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you for having us. Of course. And you Thanks for having both, us. Absolutely. You guys are both based in Los Angeles. We're getting some crazy weather this weekend. I know. It seems to be going right. up and down, up and down, but I'm happy for the sunshine. Yes. Amen for that. So, so let's talk a little bit about you guys. So Grio, okay. um, I was looking up the definition of Grio and I love it. I think it's beautiful, but why don't you guys, why don't you tell the listeners what Grio means and how you guys came up with that name for your duo? Okay. Uh, so basically a few years ago, I was out of town with my uh, uncle who's a professor and we were kind of having a conversation about our family lineage and where we come from and things of that nature. And at one point during the conversation, he literally mentioned the word Grio and I asked him what that was. And he explained to me how a griot in West Africa was the person that kind of kept the history of the village. They were also storytellers, poets, performers, musicians, a, a number of things. But the biggest thing that was important to me was that they kept the history and they passed mm. that along. It was a verbal history passage. So after hearing that explanation from my uncle, I came back to, to Cole. And beforehand, we were called, we called ourselves prose poetry. She being the, pro, the poetry, and me being the prose. And I was like, yo, we had really talked about kind of revamping who we were and really trying to hit this whole poetry mm. spoken word game real, real hard. And I was like, this would be the mm. perfect name for us. And I explained to her what it was and she was on board from that point. I think it's absolutely beautiful. I really, really like that. Thank you. Um, so yeah. how did, when did you guys come together? How long have you guys been a duo? I'll let you tell that part, Miss Cole. Oh, it's been about, uh, man, like seven years. Yeah. It's been about seven years that we've, we've known each other for over, what, 15 years now? Yeah, since we were like I would say, 18 um, years old. Since, yeah, so we've known each other for a while, but we never collaborated in this way creatively until 2013 when I moved to L.A. Okay. Uh, and he was already like doing acting and he was writing for this specific project. I remember it because it was such a different take on covering uh, a woman going through an abortion. Um, I won't put itself out. Well, is it out there? Can I talk about it? I mean, not like publicly, publicly, but you can talk about it. Like, it's fine. Like, I've copywritten my shit, so, so it's okay. It's, 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 I mean, it's in our live show. It's in our live show, and we actually showed it at our live at our live show. Um, basically, it's a take on like the guy's perspective of his woman having an abortion, but he wants to keep it. Okay, but she doesn't. And so that was such a unique take. So I was helping him write that, or like kind of edit it. He already had it written, and. From that point, we started kind of writing together just on random topics. We would meet at uh, Republican Pie yeah. <laughs> all the time. Holla. Exactly, in that back room. Get right. that free Wi-Fi. Right, <laughs> right. free Wi-Fi. You know how it is. The subtle real. I love it. Free Wi-Fi. You're there all day. Coffee, pie is great. Yeah, so we yeah. We there a lot. And um, in the beginning, we met quite often because we were both like in that space where we could do that. Um, now, I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, especially in these times, we, we write separate and then we come together and kind of put it all together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've been writing together for the last seven years. So why spoken word? Why poetry? Why did you guys choose that medium to be your, your creative outlet? Because it isn't as common. And every time I hear, I'm like, oh, I forget that this is so good. And not, not, a, lot of, a lot of people just <laughs> don't do it. At least I'm not exposed yeah. to that world so much. And, and it's not really a mainstream art form, unfortunately. So why yeah. did you guys choose right. to do spoken word and poetry? Um, I, I got involved with it largely because of Cole. I mean, she has been writing poetry for years, longer than her and I have been writing together. And when we were having those initial conversations where I was working and writing my project, uh, she was just like, well, why don't you write poetry? And I was like, I don't know if I necessarily do that. Like, I, I write stories. <laughs> like, I could write a story. It could be a short story. But I don't know if poetry is necessarily my thing. But I will say, like, I had been involved in, like, performance art in, like, high school. I used to do forensics and speaking events and things of that right. nature. So yeah. when I thought about it, it was like, well, you've kind of done this before. Poetry is something that you didn't necessarily specifically compete in, but it was a category. Mm -hmm. So after her and I writing together, she would write her poetry and I would just write what I call prose. And then we just kind of, as she said, we melded it all together and it kind of flowed really, really well. Mm -hmm. And then from her 
you know, iron sharpens, sharpens iron. So because she was so awesome, it was just like, well, I got to be awesome too. So let me write some good poetry yeah. on this end. <laughs> I mean, for, for real, like you ain't gonna no, stand next to somebody no. great and not like try to up your game. Of course, of course, of course. So right. like that's kind of where it came was from. Very good. <laughs> and he was good on the performance aspect because you know, like I said, he had already been doing acting. Just acting, yeah. Had already, yeah. Yeah, he was already in that world. He knew what it was like to be in front of the camera. So like the funny thing about us is like when it came to the live performance, that was kind of my comfort zone. And like he liked being on stage for sure, but it was always like, uh, <laughs> you know. And so that was like my comfort zone. But when it came to us being on camera. I was the one that was like, oh, yeah, no. yeah. Like, we and both freak out in different instances, right? Yeah. Right. You it's have your, you both have your strengths and your and your comfort levels, right? That's why it's a good balance. I can tell. It does. That's yeah. wonderful. So, when it comes yeah. to content, what, how do you guys figure out what you want to write about? Um, are there specific themes that you for your do as a whole that you like to focus on, or is kind of everything a you know uh, an opportunity for you and anything you can write about anything? Uh, cool. Okay, I was like, you want me to talk? You got it. You know, you I think it. what's what's really dope about uh, our particular duo is that we're also friends. So it's not like we met in a performance way. We just do life together. And so being able to come from that perspective, we just talk about life, you know, whatever's going on with us. Like the very, well, not the, well, yeah, the very first one we wrote, we wrote it because we were both, I think we were like 26, 27, around that age. Um and we were like, dang, we almost 30, <laughs> you know, and we were looking at our lives and it was like, yo, my life is not adding up to what I thought it would be at 30, you know? And so we Girl, started yes. writing about <laughs> what, yeah, right. Like we started writing about what life was for us at the time and what we thought it would be, how we matched mm. up and how we weren't matching up. And so that was our first piece. And then our second piece came from, he was like, he had just came off of a breakup but you know guys they don't really talk about it you know but he had just came off a breakup and I had just had like that heartbreaking crush I can't get up off the floor breakup yeah and I just and me and him, him and I were supposed to get together and write that night and I didn't want to but I was like you know what you told this man he's gonna write like just go over there and you know normally you don't break down with your guy friends normally your girlfriends that you're like <laughs> and that man asked me one question. I think he was just like, so, you know, how you doing? You want to write about? And I'm just like, <laughs> you lost <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, Sometimes going. it just and takes so one question. He that. probably could have asked you what you wanted to eat. And you probably still would have broken down. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely one of those kind of nights. It didn't matter what it was. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, it was just, it was on me, you know? And him being in that creative mode, he was just like, okay, tell me more. Okay, tell me more about what you're feeling. Okay, what about this? Okay, well, how would you word this? And at first it was annoying because I'm like, bruh, I'm trying to pour my heart out to you. You want me to write a poem right now? Yeah. But, you know, we worked through it. And, and, and ever since then, seeing how successful that poem was for us, because Crushed is one of our, I would say, most successful pieces. I would definitely say that, um, yeah. Yeah, every time we perform it, people are like, yo, me too, you know? And so... From that moment, we learned like the best way for us to come up with content isn't like to, because we tried the whole let's storyboard, let's put up some, mm -hmm. you know, topics and see what happens. And it's never as good. Like it's, it's good, but it's never like that hits you in the face good. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so we just, we've just learned to just live some life and then come together after a couple months and be like, all right, what you've been going through? What have I been going right. through? Let's find the similar themes. Right. Yeah. I think that that's one of the beautiful things about art that everybody kind of has their own path of how they accomplish what they want to get done. Yeah. For me, I'm right. very, I'm, I'm very much in the same way that you guys are. I'll just sit down on a piano and start writing a song or I'll just start singing a melody. But I know other people are like, okay, this is the theme that I want to write about. You know, I, I want this mm. to say this in the verse, say this in the chorus. And I just can't wrap my mind around that, but then mm. they'll come up with a masterpiece <laughs> writing like that. So <laughs> right. I, love I love that you right. guys have kind of found a, a structure that works for you guys, even though it's, kind of structureless if that makes sense no it right. makes yeah. perfect sense yeah that's perfect true. sense that's true yeah so we have a we have a formula yeah yeah exactly and i think that i think that that's a beautiful thing so let's talk about your live shows that you guys have done just tell some of my listeners like what is a live griot experience like uh i would have to say 
it's probably me stressing out at first. <laughs> and then Cole, no, no, no. It's it's a good time. I mean, Cole and I are our best friends. This is literally like my sister. So I mm-hmm. I think that we convey that from the stage. Like it's a familial environment. Like yeah. when you come to see us perform, you're just going to have a good time because we are having a good time. I genuinely yeah. enjoy being on that stage with her. And when we have those mess- moments when we mess up where her and I know we messed up, we laugh it off and then the crowd will laugh, but y'all don't know what we just fucked yeah, up. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, so, but I'm just saying in general, it's it's because we take our, our art serious, it, it of course is a serious moment for us, but at the same time, it's also very lighthearted. Yeah. Because we yeah. convey truth and honesty, but within that truth and honesty, you're also going to have really jovial moments. You'll have those moments where you'll chuckle, where, you know what I'm saying, you might hopefully like shed a tear or two, where you'll actually be touched. But overall, when yeah. you come to see us, just know that you're going to have a good time seeing two good friends express themselves in, in the format in which they love. And hopefully you'll be able to relate to all of the things that we talk about, because I think that's the biggest thing to us is that whatever we put out, we want it to be universally uh, appealing. Because I think oftentimes when people go through things, they don't necessarily believe that other people have gone through those same issues and feelings and sentiments that they had prior to experiencing those things for themselves. Absolutely. But one of the things that I most appreciate about like doing live shows is that you get that immediate response from the audience you can hear them ooh and ah and cry and laugh and all of that just invigorates your own performance itself Mm -hmm. so when you come to see us just know that we're going to put on a show for you we're going to make you laugh we're going to make you cry but at the same time and most importantly we're going to make you think and hopefully think differently prior to when you walked into the door so I want to follow up on something that you said because I think that that goes to it kind of is how a lot of Black artists feel in general, is that if you haven't experienced what we've experienced, you can't necessarily relate to it. And do you find that to be, I mean, do you agree? Do you find that to be common with a lot of Black artists? Because I feel like, let's say, if you're trying to expand to be more mainstream, you do have to reach white people. Let's just be honest, right? They can't necessarily relate with a Black person, but it's like, we're all human. We all go through love. Yeah, because we're Black. Right. Like, but we go through love. We all go through heartbreak. We, we, we go through all these circum- different circumstances. And I've noticed that, at least in my experience, that we automatically kind of get written off because they think it's just going to be specifically for the Black audience. And do you, have you guys run into that at all with your, with your art? I think it's definitely an element. I think it's definitely an element, especially even when you just say you are spoken word. Mm. That's already like, oh, that's black. That's not right. Black. You know right, what I mean? Like, right, right, right. And so true. a lot of a lot of times we do have to reword it and say we are performance poetry or we are, you know, like you, a comedy drama duo. Yeah, because yeah. all of that is within it's within the spoken word part of it. But I, I think what we we try very hard to hit you with the entertainment. You know what I mean? And it, I think what it does for us, not just for us, but for a lot of black artists you have to learn to be exceptional at storytelling. Not just like, oh, I just, you know, you don't have the privilege. You can't be mediocre. Telling a story. Yeah. <laughs> we never can be. Yeah, yeah at all. At all. Twice as good to go half as far. Yep. Amen. Yeah. And, you, and you, you don't have the privilege of just telling your story. You have to learn how to make your story compelling. And like you said, reach they have to reach past your skin and be like, oh, I did actually have my heart crushed too. You know what I mean? Or I do actually think about, I set a goal for a certain age and I'm not there. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they, they hear us second and they see us first. Uh, so you kind of have to like, you kind of have to edu, you know, edutain. That's yeah. what we call yeah, it. Yeah, you know, yeah, you have yeah, to yeah, yeah. Enter, enter, entertain them first and educate them second, you know. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I do think that that spans across many art forms. Like you look at TV and film and more, most Black-centric things that are just have black, full Black casts, even though the themes mm-hmm. and the, the script universal. and the plots are completely universal, they'll do you know yeah. less well at the box office because people are going to assume, oh, it's a race-based film or it's a Black film, whatever that means. Yeah. And it's so unfortunate right. that... We kind of, like you said, we have to work twice as hard to go half as far, you know, because people just don't yeah. think that they can relate to us, even though Black Panther proved that that's not the case. Exactly. <laughs> right. You know? That's precisely what it is. Yeah. 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 So I, I love what you guys are and doing. And so many others, too. 
Absolutely. It sucks that so many other movies that are really, really dope don't cut through because of that. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's unfortunate, but, and I don't know if we'll see that change in our lifetime, but I hope that it does happen because people are missing out because yeah. we're dope. <laughs> Magical. 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 Well, well, they know that. They know that because, because that Her is... Her voice got listen, so high. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> it really did. I'm like, wait, 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 hold up. <laughs> that's how you know. That's how you know you just so <laughs> I remember I took, a, I took a class in college called History of Rock and Roll. Now, I didn't know much about rock and roll as a genre before that class. You see how from way back when they had black people writing the music performing even the music and then they would literally find a group of white kids to mimic that black group put them out and then they soar skyrocket you know what i mean and and it's absolutely it hasn't changed that formula hasn't changed they are still doing that today you see it more in in the performance art world than you can in like sports and stuff because you know you can't right. make somebody athletic. Yeah. But like <laughs> right, right. you know, they 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 really try to like mm-hmm. make people, you know, hey, even in England, Adele talked about this. Uh Emily Sandy, who's also from London, talked about mm-hmm. this. Labyrinth, who's also from London, talked about this. They're all singers, talked about how a part of their curriculum is studying soul music from America. Mm-hmm. And so it's like now, if these people can't even graduate without studying black music, come on. <laughs> well, they they have an award show actually, and it called like the Mobos, like the music of like black people or something like that in 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 the UK Ooh. or whatever. It's an actual award ceremony. I, that's named. That. I yeah. wouldn't be surprised because, well, first of all, I do think that the UK pumps out more quality than the United States often does. I think United States is more about Absolutely. quantity, um, but yeah. a lot of the artists that you see coming out of the UK you listen to their tone of voice and I've had to question like, wait a minute, are the, wait a minute. You You know what I mean? Like you hear, you hear the influence in their music. You hear the influence in the voice. I mean, like you said, Adele, Sam Smith, Jesse J, Duffy, you know, you you hear all these, all these white artists that are so heavily, Joss Stone, they're so heavily influenced by black artists. It's very apparent in what they do, but black people for some reason are not, uh, marketable in, 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 in the eyes of the music industry in that sense. So why not put a black sound right. with you know, in a white body and then sell that? You see it happen all the time and it really and is unfortunate. For forever. Oh, for forever. It's like oh, wait. the level of appropriation is crazy. <laughs> exactly. And, and I'm sorry, just to correct myself, it's called, they are called the Mobile Awards, but it's the music of black origin. That's an award ceremony in the UK that they hold every year. So yeah. it's just like, they clearly oh. recognize Origin, hello. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's where it started, so they exactly. know where it started. Yeah, they clearly no. recognize. <laughs> so, um, let's look at kind of what's currently happening in our country today. I feel we're kind of in the midst of like what feels like the second civil rights movement. Mm. And you absolutely, know, Black Lives Matter started back in 2016. That whole movement, and you know, whether people are pro the organization or not, that's a whole nother conversation. The movement itself and that statement is true and always will be. So, how right. has how has that movement affected your your guys's art and and what you create in the music and in the poetry that you put out? And are you trying to tap into those messages and be a part of that movement and what you create? I think it's it's kind of difficult. It's kind of difficult, right? Because it's like there's you always as a black person, whether you are, no matter what your job is, no matter what your career is, you always feel like an ambassador. Yes, so there's so never true. there's never a time where you cannot think about that. Just stress you out. I can you look at your mean? face and say it did. It did because well, when she said that, it's like I feel like for all my friends that are like trying to do better and want to understand like I, and I'm the only black person in their life, I automatically become the spokesperson for yeah. all black people in their yes. life. All and it's exhausting. Like I'm about to like yeah. send them my Venmo before I have a conversation with you. <laughs> <laughs> right. You need to pay me Literally. for my services because it's exhausting. Right. So when you yeah. said ambassador, I, I just felt that on my back because 
It, it's what it, it's true. Yeah. It's so true. We yeah. try to become ambassadors and spokespersons, and, and you know, we can get into like the other types of black people, like Candace Owens and Ben Carson, that become the spokespersons mm-hmm. for them as well. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I know, I know. That's why I said we could, but I'm not going to. When you're the only, when you're one of the only black people in people's lives, you automatically do become that spokesperson and yeah. it's it is exhausting right even if you're, you if off, you're the only no 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 it makes sense if you're the only or if you're the good black person yes in their life yes that makes them comfortable um, and i right and i've i've realized that i've been that for a lot of people unknowingly but then when you recognize it because like you know i you we can see us in all of our flavors and have no bias or have no prejudice against them because we just know what it is to live life. It's not mm-hmm. about them being black. Any poor person carries themselves very similar. You know what I mean? It's just not the, the rundown black neighborhood. You go into a rundown white neighborhood and you won't see some of the same stuff yeah. that you saw in the black neighborhood, except ours might be a little more creative just because that's right. us on a normal. <laughs> you know? We know how to make we do with what have- we got. <laughs> Right, we might not have nets on our goals, but they're gonna put like the crate from the milk up there, so it still goes through something, you know? Like it's just our right. mindset from slavery, really. Yeah. To take what we've been given and make it better, and I feel like you do a disservice in your art if you don't speak to black issues because now you have a platform. So yeah, it's not so much about trying to be pro-black as it is this is just me. This is my life and my story. And I owe it to who I am as a human to speak on the issues that affect me and the people I know, you know, because if you're not telling those stories, then who's telling them? Um, So I think it's very important to tell the stories, but I also, I mean, you know, then you have, it gets to a point where you can't tell any other story. It's like, Hey, we don't always have to talk about how hard it is to be black. You can literally tell a story like for instance, I think we have a, we have a piece where we talk about just like all the art that has influenced us. Mm-hmm. What we found is that a lot of that was black, <laughs> and it wasn't like it wasn't like you know what we only get. it was just like these are really good shows, movies, books, people that have not just influenced black people; they've influenced culture. Yes, you know, and so I think the more we tell our stories the more we normalize black people being culture and being like mainstream, I guess is right. the best way to say that. So. Right. Bosco. No, I, I completely agree. I, I feel like when you have a moment like now, it is our responsibility to definitely speak to those issues. One of the things that I, there's a photo of like the 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 uh, people from like the Harlem Renaissance or like Zora Neale Hurston and Langston mm-hmm, Hughes. Mm-hmm. And I love that image of all of these different artists from all of these different fields, but all of their art contributes to the culture and moves us forward and, and helps us to progress. Right. So I look at Ko and I as the poetry mm-hmm. aspect of that photo. Like we speak the mm-hmm. truth of our own experiences, plus the experiences of our forefathers, our grandparents and ancestors that have come before us. And I think that it's really important that we speak honestly and earnestly, despite how ugly those truths may be, just because yeah. it's important that you all understand the truth of what actually happened. And I think that's one of the things that's most enlightening about this current second uh, civil rights movement that we're currently going through. Mm-hmm. I think that, like for example, a whole month ago with the whole people being finally enlightened to the whole Tulsa massacre. Like people don't understand that that is the only <laughs> time in American culture that bombs were dropped on their own citizens. Like yeah. American citizens. Right. It's and the wild. Fact that, the, and the fact that that is not taught in history books, the fact that all of these people were like, oh my God, I didn't know that happened. That was right. real. Like right. that is absolutely blasphemous. That's yeah. blasphemous. Yeah. So it's just like, I think, I feel like people are finally awakening to the fact that like the history that you have been taught is not what, is not the history in totality, I should say. Right. There it's, are so, yeah. It's history yeah. meant to protect basically whiteness yes. and white supremacy in this country. Yes. Yeah. And, and that, their fragility, like it's just like you need to 100%. understand how how horrible shit got. Like it got bad. I'm sorry, I don't know if I can cuss <laughs> on your. Really you can. You're fine. Apologize. You're fine. No, absolutely. Let it all out. Let it all like, out. It's just After like after you say it. I know it. Well, first of all, I did a couple times prior. I'm like, I should ask if this is allowed. You're fine. You're okay. fine. My bad. But no, I, it, it's just infuriating because 
we know the stories like and the reasons why we know those stories is because our families told us those stories because it's our history yes yes but the thing is it's your history too Mm -hmm. just like i'm up here learning about george washington you need to know about tulsa you need to know about rosewood you need to know about north carolina like where they literally have completely extinct not extinguished but erased all of these occurrences just so you all don't see how bad you all quite frankly were. So, and the funny thing is, is that are. yes, and <laughs> she what said it. She said are. and are. She said presently, currently <laughs> happening oh, yeah. at the moment. But it, yeah, it, it exactly. It's like they're erasing all the negative, but then when we want to erase the negative, then we're erasing his their yes. history. So yes. taking down statues right. and and, and and things like that, and 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 wanting to add this, it's like no, we're not erasing your history. We're telling you that you shouldn't be glorifying the part of history that affected us as a people and have kept us oppressed for so many years. That's all that those statues exactly. are doing. They know. They know damn well <laughs> they would not allow their child to go to a school named after a man that enslaved their forefather. That they, exactly. that would not be allowed. Exactly. So on the inverse of that, why should we have to put our children? Why should we have to? Why are there statues put up? And, yeah. the, and the fact that you all don't recognize that a lot of those statues were put up in the 1960s during the civil rights movement just so they could continue to let you know, oh, we run this shit, not y'all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't like they were put up right. during the Confederate War, like during right. the Civil War and shit like things of that nature it was after the fact to kind of let people know their place it's a scare tactic it exactly exactly so put it in a museum we know it happened but i mean the nazi flag can't fly in germany nowhere it's against the law right and you don't think that you think they have statues of hitler no they were these people were traitors to the united states of america like i understand your granddaddy fought in that war (laughs) and understand that there were some black people that fought in that war too but i'm sure they didn't i know they didn't want to but they were made to but right. it's just like, ain't nobody trying to glorify that. So right. put it in a museum, let us right. learn about it. Exactly. But let's actually move forward beyond that. And I think that's what a lot of the issue is. It's just like, we need to progress and y'all still hold on to the past. Yes, and that's so funny. Right. It, it, oh, seriously, I could go off on this for like hours. But go off. we're not the ones <laughs> holding on to the past. They're always telling us slavery happened this many years ago. Get over it. Over it. First of all. If we need to get over it, why do you need to keep a statue in a park? First question. Right. Second of all, why is there this mentality that if you address the negative, that that means you're only focusing on the negative? No, it means we're actually trying to progress and move forward. But you guys do not want to even address the fact yeah. that this even right. happened. I mean, I don't know if you knew this, but yeah. there's a, 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 school, a high school in Texas that changed the wording from slaves to unpaid workers in one of their history in one of their history books. Exactly. Unpaid workers. Yeah. But we are the are ones one hundred percent. No, I also believe it, and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, from what I understand, also in Texas, in Huckleberry Finn, I mean, we've all read that book. You know how they use the word nigger in that mm-hmm, book. Mm-hmm. I believe that yeah. they removed that word from Huckleberry Finn in in, in their tech, in the, the books that they put out in Texas or whatever. They did. They did. So it's just like, what? why are y'all trying to act like y'all didn't do Like, if y'all want right. us to move, we ha- in order to move forward, we need to acknowledge the past. Let's address it. Yeah. Give yeah. us reparations. Yeah. And then yeah. we can move forward. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like we're not we're not even asking you uh what the girl said it so perfectly. I can't remember her name right now, but she's the one that went viral talking about the monopoly uh Kimberly Jones. Um, oh yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, yeah. The statement she said the statement she said at the end of her video, y'all lucky black people are only looking for equality and not revenge. Not revenge. Like, man, we are asking you for the basics. Uh, there's another comedian that covers that. I can't think Michael Chi or Chai we're Harvey just asking to matter. That's what he <laughs> right. <laughs> that's the, that's matters. where the that's he said he's a that's where the negotiation starts. Just matters. Start. Just, just matters. Matters. And you can't matters. even agree on that. Yeah. Like, where do we go from matters? <laughs> like exist. Like, you know, like I think I think oh, what what happens is you get the you get the dichotomy. You get they see black people thrive and they think to themselves, you're fine. You look at Michael Jordan, look at Obama, look at Oprah, look at, you know, they'll name these people that and try to negate what's happening. Go ask all those people what they went through. To get to where they are. Yeah. It's not that those people are there and they just got there like you did. Those people fought to get there. And like, I, I had this actually happen recently at, at a job that I worked 
for a hospital I worked for. It's a very prestigious place. And, you know, they were trying to tell me like, because uh, we were having a conversation about racism, which I hate having in workplaces, but you know, when it happens, it happens. It happens, yeah. And, <laughs> and um, you know, they, they tried to come for me like, yo, you can't speak on this because look at you, like you work here, you have this and that. And at first, you know, you want to go off, but you know, you're trying to do the right thing by educating ignorance. And I was just like, they wouldn't even take me with my real name here. Mm-hmm. I applied there with my government name and no response changed that same resume didn't change anything on it but my name to my initials and two weeks later I got an interview boom same person same resume same cover letter so before we walked through the door it's the issue (laughs) right it just just the name changed and that's it so it's like you know that same those same qualities and qualifications came from the same human being but the moment you thought that human was black you couldn't even see those qualifications you know, and I think that speaks to everything we do. Like, even when sometimes you've proven yourself to be great, you still have to deal with that, you know, and it sucks because we have to be excellent and mm-hmm. they just exist. Yes. Be mediocre. <laughs> and I think, no, exactly. They can just be mediocre and it's fine. But here's the thing that, that always bothers me. I always feel like Black people are in this kind of catch-22. We're always told like, oh, you need to work hard for what you want to get to where you want to. And then when we do work hard, we're giving the benefit only because of like affirmative action or, you know, it's like, we can't win for losing. We cannot, like, it doesn't (laughs) matter what we do. You just don't think that we should be ahead in any way, shape or form. That's how it feels. Right. Because we do the work, we work hard and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They're protecting what they put in place. I, I, you know, you hear people say all the time, the system is broken. And I, I always say it's not broken. It is, it's stronger. That system is doing exactly what it was designed to do. Because it was designed for us. I listen, and they've diversified this system. Like it (laughs) used to be, used to be you had to enslave somebody to treat them poorly. Now they have replicated slavery in so many other fields of work it's just worded different it's said different and sometimes not in music master copy slave copy like there's like you know like there you see it in so many things and it's disheartening because the people who can make the changes don't and a lot of them are either blinded to to it and and once they're educated they hide Mm-hmm. you know and the ones that know about it they know and they don't care it works for right. them that's all they want right you know and so you you as a person of color you have doesn't we go back to that being an ambassador you don't have a choice yeah because as long as you are pushing and breaking through walls and ceilings and all of that you got to make sure there's a trailblaze or they're just going to cover up your footsteps and hope that the next person doesn't try, you know? Right, right. <clears throat> so in, the, in the wake of this movement currently, we have seen, you know, like you said, Bosco, people are being enlightened finally and realizing sure. that we weren't just talking to hear ourselves talk. But we've seen a lot of, a lot of companies and a lot of people come forward with trying to make changes and uh, add diversity to their rosters or just in, in how their work practices are. And I viewed it a lot as performative activism because I feel like people thought it was a trendy little thing to do. Thing to do <laughs> yeah. And they're not really moving forward with their words. Have you guys experienced anything like that? I will say that not in this most recent scenario, as mm-hmm. far as everything going on since, uh, let's say, George Floyd and everything mm-hmm. like that. But mm-hmm. prior, as far as at an, at an older job, there was another, I want to say, like, um, there was a shooting and whatnot. And I do recall, like, management and people, because people were down again about it, because a lot of the staff at, at the company that I worked at prior was, was a minority staff. Mm. And because I was in a leadership position at that particular job, they did come to us and talk to us about, like, you know, what can we do to kind of like uplift the spirits and things of that nature? And at the same time, like you, you appreciate the inquiry as far as like, how can we, we help? But I, I think, especially when it comes into the business sense of the world, you have to be able to, or you should already be implementing those, those gears of change. I, I, there were so many other individuals at the company that I used to work at, work at where there were qualified individuals that could have gone into management positions, but for mm-hmm. whatever reason, they just did not. And I 
don't understand how you can just automatically leap past other qualified persons when they have the the true ability to do the job and do the job well that they right. need to do to help the overall company excel. So, I mean, I, I have certainly seen in the past, but I can't say like at least recently, because I, I don't think I would have taken that well. If you would have, especially with everything that happened at the end of May with George Floyd, and then you had, we finally really found out all of the logistics with Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery. It was just so much at one time. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't have been received well as far as where I currently, just because, it, it doesn't seem genuine. Because well, because it feels like one of us has to die for you to actually you want to do to pay something. attention, yeah. 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 And we've been, and the thing I is mean, that, that other always bothers me is the fact that we have been hollering these things for for hundreds of like we have been yeah. saying these things exist. It's but not until, to hear ourselves talk. Yeah, until yeah. until until you John Lewis walked across the Edmund Pettus Bridge and got his ass whooped. You know what I'm saying? Like they didn't want to believe that that we were getting our ass whooped without a camera there. <laughs> Like our, right. our skulls were being cracked and we weren't doing anything by yeah. them. We, you know what I mean? So it's just like, it it can it does seem very disingenuous to now, okay, now your ears perk up when people are, are rioting and they break into a Louis Vuitton store and you see that they coming out of their neighborhoods and coming into yours. Now right. you want to act concerned. Now yeah. you want to put up the board to yeah. say like BLM and all, like, do you re- are you really for the cause? Or are you really just trying to preserve your establishment and your business? Yeah, like, yeah. Every but, we, aspect, but we know it's me. Yeah, exactly. And, and I will say, like, one of the reasons I will say that's kind of inspiring, at least in my opinion, with this whole movement that's currently going on, is that I do appreciate the reach and the resilience of um, American Black culture. Like, we brought, we were brought here, and we were literally stripped of every aspect of our being, mm-hmm. our language, our religion, all of our heritage. We had to start anew here in the United States of America. And probably our wealth, too. Exactly. All of those things. For sure. Our our family structure, everything. Yeah. So, but within this past, you know, since the 1600s or whatnot, we've we've created our own culture here. Yeah. And that culture is so massive, so important, that it's not just American culture, it's world culture. Mm -hmm. So to see people in Pakistan and in New Zealand going on marches to see people in parts of Italy and Spain (laughs) talking about like black lives matter. just goes to show like, damn, we did that shit. We were brought here. Everything was taken from us, but what did we do? We rebuilt, which is what we always do. And we rebuilt in such a way that we have, we now have this coalition of not just us as black folks being the 13% that we are here in America, but we have this world coalition. That's just like, yo, we are rocking with y'all. We see what y'all been talking about and we ain't going nowhere because black culture is world culture. We're fashion, music, athletics, entertainment, yes. scholastics, like all of those aspects, we conquer all of them and we push the culture forward. So and I mean, I, that's the no, only I, I fully thing agree I with you. Pull from it. 100%. And I think that that's kind of one of the reasons why there is such a animosity towards black culture and black people, not black culture, but black people is because despite everything that we've been through, we still rise and we still have joy. Right. We still have smiles on our face. They're like, dang, we enslaved you. We did Jim Crow. We had redlining. We had police brutality. Y'all still smiling? Like, yes. Yes. Mass incarceration. We still here. Mass incarceration. We still here. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to fight through it. And, and, And it just makes me excited to see, where we will be another hundred years from now yeah. because I look at how much progress we've made so far and granted it might seem seem slow and, and very incremental but like we are moving out here and it's yeah. not going because the yeah. impact is too vast like again we influence the world culture and people understand and know that now like they can't the reason why the NBA is kowtowing to those players the NFL is kowtowing to those players because they're 80 and 90 percent of those leagues if we don't want to play y'all not making y'all's money so get on board if you're not we're gonna true. go someplace else it's true so it's just like right. we're too much of a force in culture we, <clears throat> and we know that now that was the thing that y'all didn't want us to know is how powerful it's we how are. powerful we are and Absolutely. now we see it so it's just like either y'all get on board or we out and we're gonna do this on our own because people gonna yeah. come where we go because mm-hmm. they always have come right. to our home. They don't go to yours. Amen. Cool. Yes. But there is there is the slacktivism though. Like you do you do see people speak it and they don't follow up. Like they use that we, phrase we slacktivism. Not, I love that. Slacktivism. slacktivism. That is real, you know, girl. Like, <laughs> like you I heard somebody say that and I was like, yo, that is such a great way to put it. Because it is. It's so lazy. It's yes. like, ooh, let me just put a band-aid on a bullet, you know, wound. And it's like I mean, we haven't, I cannot say we have directly felt it, but I will speak to the fact that there have been 
places we we have submitted ourselves to because right now you know us as a group we're in the process of publishing a book our first mm-hmm. book awesome um and so we've been having meetings with different publishers you know uh and we've been looking for those places that support kind of what we speak on already and those places that say they're looking for diversity and all that and we we met with uh, a particular one that said they would you know diversity was something they were looking for but but when they had to clean their own house mm. they weren't willing to get rid of the things that would allow them to support diversity hmm. um and so for me that's still that's still the slacktivism you you put this on your mission statement you put it on your website you put it out to the world that you want to be a part of the people making diverse calls and when it's time for you to do it you got a million excuses as to why you can't mm-hmm. you know and so you know for me it's it's you you hear it and you and you you can recognize it immediately like oh, okay you just want to you just want to look like you're a part of the game you know diversity you're... still has limits for some people <laughs> diversity still has a lot I'm... of limits for some people because they want to be I'm comfortable they want of to course. be comfortable they don't want to have to deal with what it means to break away from some of their partnerships or some of their sponsorships, maybe, you know, uh, investors, you know, founders that have these really terrible ideals about black people. It's still a thing. And, you know, you don't have to go that far back. We could go to one of our friends' grandfather, grandmother, and that person would have a very bad outlook on who we are because of who, where they grew up, mm. how they grew up, the times they grew up in. You know, it's that much different. Whereas you go to the South in our generation and it's different. Just one, even their parents, the parents of some of our friends that were raised in the South, it's like, I don't, I don't do these mixed <laughs> racial relations. <laughs> I don't right. do these interracial mm-hmm. I don't do interracial events I don't do interracial entertainment I don't, because that is not how they were raised you know what I mean and so it's it's funny it's not funny I mean it's, it's it wasn't that long ago that you know you had a little girl I can't remember the story uh but there was this little girl in the south who like went she was the first black girl to go to this school her mother Ruby walked D, into Ruby, school and they Ruby. Were, yeah, yeah and they were spitting grown people on a little five-year-old girl on a little girl because they didn't want her in their school like you know that wasn't that long ago and so it's like just just like 50 60 years ago y'all were spitting on girls that looked like me yeah just for wanting to be educated well yeah you know and 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 now you feel like you've reversed that because you got one little thing in place that might get me in if i have an exceptional you know presentation I can't just want it. I can't just say, hey, I got bees. I really want to come to Harvard or whatever elite school. You know, I'm not going to put them out because it's not just them. But, you know, I want to go to any Ivy League. It's not possible. I have to have a 4.3. I have to have this many hours of community service. I have yeah. to have saved the lives of better. You know, like, it's like I have to do these crazy things. And even then, or you would only get it's in. just amazing. <laughs> yeah. Because of you affirmative action. <laughs> Right. It's, it's ridiculous. That or I have to be so poor. Like I had to have gone, you know, I had to be on food stamps, on welfare, living on the streets in foster homes from 20 different foster homes, mm-hmm. child abuse, lived in my car. Why? Like, like why, why does that have, have to be to my be? story? Right, yeah. yeah. One, of, right. one of the things that I oh, posed man. to a friend of mine the other day was, you know, you have conversations about like systemic racism and things, things like that. <laughs> And I literally, and I asked the question, I was like, so for, for, for those individuals that don't believe that America, you know, currently has systemic racism, mm-hmm. you have to admit that at one point in time in our history, in our country's history, that there was systemic racism because we couldn't do things. We know that black people were enslaved. There were things put in line that, that we were not allowed to do. Laws. So have, there were laws. It, well, exactly. Like, and that's my like, point. Yeah, yeah. So right. you can't deny the fact that, <laughs> that systemic racism existed. So my question yeah. for the follow-up is always, well, when did it end? Like, mm-hmm. tell me the, <laughs> the law that was passed that ended it all. All of the things that were put in place to keep us down. What About what time, year, did you we know, afternoon, did this occur to where it was no longer existing? Right. And there is no answer for right. that because the shit don't exist. Right. Like, you can't tell us that it doesn't right. exist. Now, granted, I can, I can definitely say efforts are being made to dismantle it. But it still is not gone. Right. 
And you can't yeah. deny that. So I, whenever people have that argument that, you know, there is no systemic racism, it's just like, ask them, when did it end? Well, Tell me and, when it ended. No, and that's, that's, I love that because I get into this argument on Twitter often and people always say, <laughs> well, what are the laws that are in place that are specifically against Black people? And they think that it has to have the words Black in black the law for it to be against right. Black people. So like, for example, let's look at voter suppression, right? Yes, we all have the right to vote. But you, if you look at how they will close down voting polls, yes. they will stop mail-in, you know, absentee ballots, mail-in voting. You see that Trump's trying to do that. How do you, and, and it's currently yeah. affecting specific areas. Who lives in those specific areas? Like, how do we not put this together? Like, the puzzle pieces are all there, right. you know? They, they yeah. just deny it. They just yeah. deny it. And that's the most infuriating thing, especially today, because you can see it. Yes. You know, 40, 50, 60 years ago, it would be harder to see it. Mm -hmm. But now we are living in a world where it's real time everything. Yes. So you can see the yeah. redistricting of a map and how that would affect these low income folks over here on this side versus the people that have income on the other side. Yeah. Like yeah. the things that happened to Stacey Abrams in Georgia with the governorship, like that is blatantly apparent that that was stolen from her. 100%. It's blatantly apparent. So yeah. don't tell us that these things don't exist. And also, you don't be ignorant. Like, <laughs> at a point, your ignorance becomes stupidity. Because yes. I have no more tolerance right. because it's right. laid out there in front of you. You're just choosing not to acknowledge it or see it. And Google right. is free. Yeah. Yeah, Google, for everybody. Google is free so for free. everybody. It's so free. For everyone. Or even, or even for the people, like for me, and I've had some pretty tough conversations with non-black people that I love dearly like we grew up together or like you know we've got we've gotten to know each other professionally and you know for them I have the patience because I know they mean well and they're just trying to figure out how they can actually change but for people who literally are just like you know it's, it's kind of like it's kind of performative activism mm -hmm. it really is it's not you don't genuinely want to know because like one of the girls one of these girls I knew like we're not like close close like that we just kind of know each other professionally and she was like well what can I do you know and I get it but then at the same time I my answer was please don't be offended by what I'm about to say but if George Floyd was white would you be asking me what you could do or would you just be doing things mm. Mm. she didn't respond <laughs> I think she got she offended didn't respond. You know what I mean? Like, and it was just like, I don't need to tell you what to do. Do something. You just watched a man get murdered. And your next thought is, man, what can I do about this? You know? Hmm. And, and I think that kind of, that kind of attitude is, is what bothers me so bad is because the hearts of people are so hardened against black people, not just, you watched a man get murdered and that didn't move you enough to be on these streets, to be on these phones, to be on these emails, doing work to change that. That didn't move you enough, you know, or, uh, I mean, any, any time we've seen this, this isn't the first time, this one was just very bad. Like yeah. you look at the John Lewis situation and, and, and it took you seeing, I think the, they interviewed the white reporter who he was actually like a young reporter at the time. And, was on that uh, bridge and he said you know it just it broke the hearts of america so bad to see this and that's what got changed we had to break your heart mm. you know it's like you know what i mean you had to have your heart broken you couldn't have just you couldn't just get cheated on you couldn't just get like <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. you had to get your heart, heart broken crushed yeah for, before you were like you know what we us. need to change this you know what I mean? And it's been happening for years. And you would think that George Floyd would have been that same crushing. But because people have lost their sympathy and empathy towards Black people, that, that didn't, it didn't move nobody. I mean, it did us. We were, we were destroyed. Uh -huh. And there are other people who were like, oh, man, that's really sad. But there was no, there was no call to action. Because when you, when you bring it back, George Floyd was somebody's brother, was somebody's father, was somebody's son. And if you are a parent or a sibling, you know, you, you know what that feels like. Yeah. White people don't. They don't wake up in fear that their sons, their husbands are going to go outside and die. Their daughters are going to get, 
uh, inappropriately touch maybe when they get pulled over or go to the hospital and not get properly taken care yeah. of because they're white, you know that, that your daughter, your wife, your mother is going to be fine. It's not a part of their story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just went through this with my own mom where they ignored her pain until I went off. <laughs> and then we got normal treatment. It wasn't it wasn't the exceptional. It was standard <laughs> treatment. I had to go off for standard treatment. She had to pull out that uh, respiratory therapist jar. Yes, like, right. They didn't know, like we got to tell the people what <laughs> she does. She is a knowledgeable <laughs> well-informed yes. respiratory, respiratory therapy. Yep. She yep. knows what she's talking about. So okay. if her mama wouldn't be in Delaware, hell, she was just taking questions about my mama last night. I thought she had the cold to start calling me because I was scared. I said, I got questions. So it's just like, no. She is too she informed. Knows she, to yeah, right? Don't, don't right? try and play her. Don't, but right. we shouldn't have to of do course. that is the point, and though. Exactly. Exactly. Right. That's the point. You shouldn't, you shouldn't need to know what my background is. You should just treat me well. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's kind of when you talk about when people try to come at you about there isn't systemic racism, it's like, of course you wouldn't see it because it doesn't happen to you yep. ever. How would you, how would you know, unless you do research, unless you actually be around people that don't look like you and don't talk like you and don't, you know what I mean? Like if your circle isn't diverse, of course you'll never know the stories of Absolutely. the world and of your country because you only know the stories of the people that are around you. And you'll only see other races what what's shown to you in the media you only know them in one yes. light right. I mean, we're always vilified there right. absolutely absolutely and it's a shame i mean you grew up in the south you grew up in the midwest of course you're gonna think all black people are criminals because that's all you ever see on, on the news yeah. is that they right. arrested another black right. person you know right so, and, yeah. so it's unfortunate but yes I, I i agree you have to get around people that don't look like you you yeah. need to broaden your world yeah. view otherwise i mean also it's just it's boring when it's not diverse when you don't have people that are unlike you why do you want everybody around you to be the same i don't get that (laughs) well before we wrap up why don't you uh tell the listeners what you guys are working on next i know you guys said you're working on a book so if you want to tell a little bit about that and tell us where we can also follow you and your work come on get us all to you babe okay so um i will say really quickly how to find us we are on instagram as we are underscore grio um, so you can find us there at we are underscore real. Um, we have just like a lot of our poetry and in our stories, we always kind of give you a little visuals of our poems. Um, we are working on a book right now. Um, uh, we finished the manuscript, which man, you know, if you've ever tried to write a manuscript, you know, the journey. It's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. It is a lot of work. And so we are in the process of publishing that and we'll have that ready for consumption by beginning of next year for sure. Um, we also, um, have our e-portfolio, which has some really cool stuff on there. It has our, uh, our trailer for our live show, which we are trying to find a home for. And once we do, that'll be for public consumption as well. Um, we have our short, uh, our short film, which is YouTube. Uh, you can go to YouTube and just type in Crushed Grio and it'll come up. Which won an uh, award, right? On our YouTube it, it won an award. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You did win yeah, the LA Music did. Video Award for that. Congrats, congrats. Yeah. Thank you. You know, we are, we out here. I love it. I love it. Well, when I always go high. You know, she's yeah. passionate about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, love, I don't think in the years that I've known you that I have heard that high voice. So this is actually um, <laughs> here. I'm not gonna lie. All right. Well, you guys, thank you so I much mean. for for being on the show and sharing your art and and sharing what you do. I'm, I'm fans, obviously, and in any way I can support you guys, I'm more than happy to do so. So thank you again, and well, listeners, for make, make sure you follow Grio, and uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Bye.